absolutely today it's completely easy to have these conversations around kindness empathy compassion understanding it doesn't mean you can't set high expectations it doesn't mean you can't have high ideals for me it just simply means taking the time to understand where somebody else is coming from and i think kindness kindness also sometimes can be being clear and you know not speaking behind somebody's back and talking to somebody directly if there's an issue kindness sometimes is being direct and not negative but being a straight talker on certain things so but i have no i have no issue with that i don't see that as weakness i actually see kindness as strength like if you can be you can be a good leader and you can show kindness and compassion and collaborate effectively i mean that is gold in today's leadership ranks right this is not weakness at all this is strength hello and welcome to the women of the future podcast a podcast made in collaboration with the women of the future program a platform built to unlock a culture of kindness and collaboration among leaders as well as support and celebrate the successes of women I'm Kim Rowell and I won the media category at their awards in 2018 in recognition of my continued work as a commissioner, producer and children's author, particularly within the mental health remit. I'll be talking to my guests on this podcast about their careers, who or what gave them their first big break, their successes, failures and inspirations along the way and how they came to be a part of the Women of the Future Network. John Lombard joined global technology services company NTT Limited as CEO in May 2016 and brought with him over 30 years of leadership and management consulting experience. Prior to NTT, John worked for the software company SAP as head of services for Asia Pacific Japan. During his stint at SAP, he was responsible for services and support across 14 countries in the region and was central to driving the company's cloud services, consulting, custom development and education portfolio. John has also previously worked as the CEO and Managing Director of Crow Howarth, the largest publicly listed business advisory and accounting firm in Australia and New Zealand. John is the co-founder of Hashtag He for She for Lean in Asia, which helps create an environment that enables women to lean into their careers and passions. He is also on the board of directors of Very Special Arts Singapore. NTT are the sponsors of the Women of the Future Awards Southeast Asia, and alongside his judging role, John was shortlisted himself for the Mentor of the Year Award in 2019. I grew up in uh, regional Australia, so in a country town in regional Victoria, and it was just a great upbringing. Yeah, so just a very typical country town, very friendly, lots of sport, lots of time outdoors, and uh, just a great experience. And what were you like at school? Were you a good student? Were you diligent? Are you dedicated? How did you find of that course. whole? Ex- <laughs> How did you find that whole experience? Uh, look, I would think I was a typical child of my era I guess I loved my sport Um, I didn't get into too much trouble I was okay at school I was never the smartest kid in the class but I really just enjoyed spending time with my friends and very much had an upbringing where my parents you know encouraged us to play outside we sort of could take risks we sometimes maybe did things that we shouldn't but I'd say a pretty typical Australian upbringing 
And did you go on to further education? Did you do university? What was your experience in those yeah. areas? So look, Kim, after you know, growing up in a country town, actually my parents, my father was a teacher, so he got posted back to Melbourne. And that was about the time I started secondary school. So I did my secondary or high school in Melbourne and then went on to do a computer science degree in Melbourne. So had the opportunity to study computer science. Actually, my parents wanted me to be a dentist. So thank goodness that never happened. <laughs> um, so ended up getting in the IT industry, I guess in an era when it probably wasn't maybe the cool thing to do or the trendy thing to do. I got in very early on in that industry and it was great. I've really enjoyed being part of that IT industry over the, the last 30 years. And so did that interest, that initial interest, kind of set you off on the path that you're on now, really? Yeah, so, so my role now is uh, I'm the CEO of NTT in the Asia Pacific and we are a technology systems integration company. So it's very much an extension of my early years. So, you know, over the years you gain more experience, you get given more opportunity, uh, the roles tend to get bigger over time and I guess, you know, I've just continued on in my career over the last 30 years and and I've been lucky enough where people have given me opportunity and, and entrusted me to take on larger businesses over time so it's been very enjoyable. Would you say there's a standout moment or maybe a person in particular that you'd say has helped mold your interests and maybe not even set you off but help kind of encourage your path along this particular trajectory that you are on was there something or someone that's kind of really influenced what you're doing or you know your life so far yeah. I guess sure look I think early on it would, would be my parents so my parents were very good at encouraging all of their children so my sister myself and my brother I mean for them it was there was no sort of difference no gender separation at all we were all we all got exactly the same opportunity that was just inherent in the way we were brought up. So, and also I think as I've gone through my career, I've had the opportunity to work with some excellent, really good role models and some great people. There's different people that come to mind. Uh, I've worked with some great people. One of them, a lady by the name of Geraldine McBride, who was the regional president and then the America's president for a company called SAP. And she was, uh, she was a very strong leader and somebody that I actually learned quite a lot from my time so there's been other people as well you know you take I tend to take little bits of little bits from many different people I find that everybody in an organization or in life it doesn't matter what level they are or what they do there's a lot of people that I've found can be great role models in certain areas maybe it's the way they communicate maybe it's the way they deal with difficult situations and through adversity you know I like to take little bits if I can from different people and that's something I've tried to do through my career. Yeah, I think that's enormously important. I know whenever I read a book, I might not completely buy into the whole premise of it, you know, but you say you exactly. pick out the tidbits that you can relate yeah. to your own circumstances, right? Very and touched, true. And you touched on it there that the importance of role models or people, you know, you can't be what you can't see ultimately. And yeah. how has that affected what you do? Were you always kind of, or you might have forged your own path, I don't know. Were you always kind of looking for the guiding lights in what you were doing? Very much. Yeah, certainly, certainly earlier in my career, I very much needed people who I could almost imagine myself in their shoes. So it was more prevalent actually early in my career. I think as maybe you get a bit older and you get a, get a bit wiser and more confident, 
you're looking at other attributes of individuals. So early in my career, I was very much looking at the people above me and thinking, right, I need to, maybe I need to talk like them or to act like them or to, you know, that's, that's my aspiration. I actually find that as I'm maturing through mm. my career, I actually get inspiration, as I said before, from people through different levels of a company or even in society. You know, you see today I had an interaction with a group of graduates that were brought into the, the business and I just get enormous energy and inspiration dealing with people coming through with fresh perspectives and ideas. And for me, role models don't just need to be people who are more senior in your industry. They can come from all walks of life. And you've held multiple senior leadership roles and you had a quite prestigious career. I can say that, I'm sure, without embarrassing you too much. But is there a standout moment for you across or a moment that you're particularly proud of? Yeah, I, I think in my career, it's probably where I've had to work across different cultures or different, um, you know, bringing different organisations together. I think one of the hardest things you can do in anything in anything in, in business is actually where you bring two different businesses and actually bring them together and merge them into one operating business. And I've had the opportunity to do that a few times over my career. I've certainly learned, you know, there's been plenty of mistakes along the way, but I've certainly learned through that the power of just having people work in teams and the power of communication and just bringing groups of people effectively together. So certainly proud of my time at NTT. We've been doing a lot of that over the last couple of years, but I also had the opportunity to do that in my previous life at SAP, a software company. So there's a couple of, couple of moments there where I'm particularly proud of. I also wanted to ask you, you're the co-founder of He for She for Lean in Asia. Can you, Asia, yep. Can you tell me more about that and how, what the inspiration was behind it and why you wanted to do it? Yeah. Yeah, sure. So Lean In is, was founded by uh, Sheryl Sandberg from Facebook fame. And uh, there's a Lean In chapter in Singapore. And actually the group asked, there was a group of us who got involved in some of their offsite sessions where they bring groups of people together to talk about unconscious bias in the workplace. And there was a group of us men who decided to get together to create this. It's like a chapter of Lean In in Singapore or, you know, it's linked to that. The idea is just to bring together people who want to create an environment where we eliminate unconscious bias in the workplace. And the original the initial focus is very much around women in the workplace, but honestly can apply to any situation. So there was a group of us who did that, who set that up and uh, we, you know, we host different events. Uh, we, we get, you know, men and women in from various industries to have these conversations. And it's really just to open up the discussion about what we could do differently. And particularly in Asia, where there's still not enough women, certainly in my industry, in the IT industry, in senior roles. So the idea was to really encourage and to get people talking about what can we do to eliminate some of the barriers that may exist to getting more women in those senior roles. There was a lot of focus in this country in particular in the wake of the resurgence of the Black Lives Matter movement. and. Yep. As leaders, I mean, I work for the BBC as my day job, but as leaders, we were all made very aware that we needed to refocus and, you know, not hire in your own vision, be very aware of unconscious bias, level the playing field. It's yep. no mean feat, is it? And there's no 
there's no one answer and it's something that I know that I have to work on on a daily basis and from a position of white privilege and maybe a lack of not lack of understanding but I need to obviously continue to chip away at all of these stereotypes that there are and just be really mindful of that do you, how do you find it how do you manage it because obviously you're you know you're a very senior leader and you have a lot of responsibility and it's important isn't it it is it is and i operate a business that, that sits across you know 15 countries all over asia so i'm you know i've my exposure is from china to india all of southeast asia australia new zealand and i guess everything in between so i'm super super conscious of that so it's something that you know we just all have to work on every day we just need to assume that it's just part it exists and it exists to varying degrees in everyone there's some really interesting tests i'm not sure if you've ever done any kim online where it actually will test your unconscious bias across a range of factors and and i went on to one of these thinking oh you know i, I can't possibly have it because i'm part of he for she and i'm sure i'll be great mm. and of course of course you do so and it can manifest itself it doesn't mean you're a bad person no. it's just the way it can manifest itself in different ways so look it's just communicating recognizing that it exists talking about it constantly and just really celebrating the fact that, that the fact is the more diverse an organization is every test in the world all of the analysis in the world today just says those organizations are far more effective and ultimately far more profitable as well so it makes complete business sense in addition to being just the right thing to do uh, there's an enormous business reason behind it as well so so we you know just we talk about it a lot recognize that you know people are imperfect but by constantly working on it we can improve and that's at the end of the day what uh, what we're trying to achieve how did you first hear about the woman of the future program and what inspired you to get involved with pinky and her team yeah i was um i was nominated which sort of surprised me <laughs> i was actually nominated in 2019 i think uh as um men in the mentoring category and it was one of those categories where they allowed uh, men to be nominated so i was nominated i went through this process and i got exposed to pinky and the team and i went went along to the to the events where pre this is all pre-covid where we actually had this great event in singapore and and through that i met all of these unbelievable women and you know it was not just the women that i met at the event at my table but the stories that i heard on stage and really inspirational and then last year i, I got to judge one of the one of the categories and then i had an opportunity to spend even more time and understanding and seeing some of the incredible capability and just just amazing talent that women of the future uncovers it's just really inspiring it's one of the it's one of those things where you really realize what strength there is you know in our communities in our societies across asia and i'm, I'm sure globally as well and ntt is the sponsor of the awards this year right we are yeah we're the headline sponsor this year in asia and Southeast Asia, I should say, and very proud to do it. We were a sponsor last year, but uh, I, I got great support from our global head of marketing and communications, uh, Ruth Rowan. So she's fully supportive of this, as we are. So I'm really looking forward to NTT's support of this program going forward. 
And what's the what's it been like living through the pandemic on your side of the world? How have your you and your family managed in the first yeah. instance, but also as a business and you know all the restrictions and obstacles you've had to navigate, I'm yeah. sure. Look like everyone, you know, it's been difficult. So we, we live in Singapore. I mean, I happen to be in Australia at the moment, but we live in Singapore. The Singapore government did a great job. Uh, they basically quickly sort of controlled the spread, which allowed us sort of late in 2020 to just open up Singapore again and, and get out and about and at least get to restaurants and do, do those sorts of things. So I think we were very, very lucky and very blessed in Singapore. For our business, I think we're an IT services organization. So, you know, we're using this, uh, Kim, this technology. It was amazing. We had to be a networking company as well. So there was a significant increase in the amount of network traffic yeah. through COVID. And also companies use it as an opportunity to, to really transform their businesses digitally. There's been this enormous shift of the workers from obviously the office to working from home. And now, you know, as people navigate the future around sort of this hybrid model, greater proportion of people working remotely and mm. uh, that's here to stay, I think. I remember when they first introduced Zoom, I was like, oh, that'll never catch on. No one's going to use that. <laughs> <laughs> Little did I know. But do you think there'll be any learnings that we can all take from it? Maybe work-life balance or something a bit more worldly, but do you hope that things will change positively in the kind of wake and as we move out of it? Yeah, look, I think one of the things, one of the learnings is maybe, you know, we're more effective if we can start to distribute people more evenly in countries. So, you know, in a country like Australia, people tend to live in the, the large cities, but we're starting to see it. Maybe people move out into the more regional areas, which I think is a positive. One of the learnings I've got from it is how important human interaction is and how much I miss being with people. And I've spent, as, as everybody has, you know, countless hours using products like WebEx and Teams and, and other things, but it's just nowhere near as effective as face-to-face -face human interaction. It's pretty good, this technology, but, you know, it's not quite the same as being face-to-face being -face and having these conversations. So just the power of human interaction, it doesn't matter what industry you're, you're in, I think we've all missed that a little bit over the past, the past year. And I'm certainly looking forward to spending a bit more time with people in an office environment in the future. Yeah, absolutely. I have some quick fire questions just to finish. So sure. what would you describe as your greatest success? My family. <laughs> yeah, I'd say like, look, my family, my, you know, my children, the time that I've spent with them, definitely my greatest success. And there's been lots of career highs uh, over the journey. But, you know, if I'm, if I'm sitting there at the end of the day, reflecting back, it, it would certainly be just the enjoyment of spending time with my family, particularly one of the highlights of COVID has been, I've got to spend a lot more time with them than I ever have before. How have they found that, having you around more? Yeah, I think good. Um, <laughs> you can always ask them. I think it's been positive. I mean, they've, yeah, look, it's been, it's been tough. My son was in Australia on his own during COVID. We were all in Singapore, but no, it's been, I think mean, it's just been great, especially now at the moment we're all together and uh, that, that's been a great, just a great time. And your greatest failure? I think um, probably the time I've spent, uh, I've probably spent early in my career a long time focused on my career and travel. 
So I think just the, the amount of time I've spent away from the family is something when I look back, I think, gee, that's been, that's been tough on them. So I'd have to say that's been an area where I would have loved to have done, maybe done it differently. If COVID had a big, had, well, I shouldn't say that, but if there was a pandemic 20 years ago, I would have been able to spend more time back then. But, uh, but I think, you know, I don't, I don't look at success and failure overly from a career point of view. There's always, that always exists, but I think, you know, I, I look at it more from the impact my career has had on my family. There's been some great positives out of that. There's also been some negatives as well. The mantra of the woman of the future is kindness and collaboration. What does that mean to you in both your personal and professional life? Yeah, so I think, I think kindness and collaboration for me is all about just having empathy and a, you know, just a compassion and understanding for people. So I think it's just taking the time sometimes to, so personally and professionally, it's taking the time sometimes just to really understand what people are going through at a particular point in time. And actually, you know, one of the things, the, one of the other positive things, I hate talking about all of, all of these positive COVID experiences, because <laughs> I know it's been super tough for so many people, but I think people have really taken the time to be far more compassionate with other people. I, I've certainly picked up on that in different parts of society. And as a general rule, for me, that's, that's been a net positive. But for me, it's just really having empathy and understanding for others and taking the time to understand where they're coming from. And with collaboration as well, the same kind of sentiments? Yeah, I think, I think collaboration is really identifying areas where there is a mutual benefit to, to working together with others and not necessarily others in your same industry. It could be, you know, an IT person working with a healthcare person to come up with a better solution. You know, there's so many different examples. And often for me, collaboration is learning through others as well, because, you know, certainly with women of the future, some of these entrepreneurs have come up with such great ideas that you can sort of apply to different industries as well. So that to me is one of the strengths of collaboration. You're only the third man we've had on this podcast. It has been obviously dominated by women because of the natural alumni of the women of the future. So yeah. I wanted to ask you whether you thought kindness and leadership as a man is still perceived as a bit of a weakness or a bit of a softness that isn't as easy to portray or whether you have the complete antithesis of that stance and that, you know, like sod it, I'm just going to do what I want to do. And that involves empathy and kindness. How do you embrace it I guess as part of what you do because it's not easy is it still it's interesting I think 10 15 20 years ago when I started my career you asked me that question Kim I would have looked at you blankly Hmm. and said "Ah." but absolutely today it's completely easy to have these conversations around kindness empathy compassion understanding It doesn't mean you can't set high expectations. It doesn't mean you can't have high ideals. For me, it just simply means taking the time to understand where somebody else is coming from. And I think kindness, kindness also sometimes can be being clear and, you know, not speaking behind somebody's back and talking to somebody directly if there's an issue. Kindness sometimes is being direct and not negative, but being a straight talker on certain things. So, but I have no, I have no issue with that. I don't see that as weakness. I actually see kindness as strength. Like if you can be 
you can be a good leader and you can show kindness and compassion and collaborate effectively. I mean, that is gold in today's leadership ranks, right? This is not weakness at all. This is strength. Is there anything that scares you? <laughs> uh, no, not really. I'm not, not really scared. I guess I'm concerned about things like global warming. I certainly, and I give full credit to my kids for really shining a spotlight on me and saying, Dad, you know, you need to get with the program. Um, but definitely that one scares me. I see some of the future predictions around, you know, one degree, two degrees of, of temperature change. And that really, that really worries me. But I also believe we've got a generation and a group of people who, who are taking some really strong action. So I haven't given up on our ability, but that one, I think, really, we need to take that very seriously, far more seriously than many of our countries do today. What's left on your to-do list? Plenty. <laughs> Plenty. I've got... <laughs> no, I've got so many things left to do. Um, I don't know. Like, you know, look, obviously, I love my career. I love my job. But I also do lots of stuff. I love being outdoors. And, you know, I like my fitness and doing different activities. So, I don't know. I'm, I, I tend to sort of launch myself into all of these crazy sort of outdoor things and and uh, sign myself up for all sorts of things and then try and work out how I'm going to do it later. So, so I'm not sure what's wanted, but it will be, I'm sure, something exciting. It used to be a standard interview question, didn't it? Where do you see yourself in 10 years' time? Where would you be, John, in 10 years' time? Wow, in 10 years' time. Mm. Um, look, I think I'd like to still be doing in, my, in this industry, but, you know, I might be... Who knows, I might be uh, anywhere. I could be anywhere in the world. I, uh, I don't know. It's just, I always find this one so difficult. 10 years time is, is a lifetime at the moment. Just think about what we've been through over the last year. Um, but I would think I'll be doing something maybe similar to what, to what I'm doing today. Maybe, maybe in, a, you know, in a different industry, maybe in the same company, I'm not sure. Thank you so much for your time. It's been brilliant talking to you and I do appreciate it. I know you're a very busy guy, so thanks No so worries. I've enjoyed it a lot. I've enjoyed it a lot, Kim. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Women of the Future podcast. If you enjoyed it, please hit the subscribe button. And while you're there, why not give us a rating and review? You know you want to. For more about the Women of the Future Awards, network and initiative, please visit www.womenofthefuture.co.uk. See you soon.